This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Schroeder's Global Markets Perspectives podcast for South African investors. My name is Kondi Ngosi, country head of Schroeder South Africa, and I'm pleased to be joined by Ugo Montruccio, head of multi-asset investments Europe and co-manager of the Schroeder ISF Global Managed Growth Fund. Ugo, great to have you on the program. Hi, Kondi. Nice to be here. Great. Let's start with the macro. We've seen record levels of inflation across multiple economies with the latest Eurozone print at 8.6%. The UK and the US are also at record highs. How are you guys seeing the inflation and growth interplay across these major economies? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Condi. And uh, as you can imagine, the, the debate around inflation has been dominating investors' minds over, over the, the, few, uh, the last few months. I would say um, in terms of sequencing of what we have noticed this year, the first quarter of 2022 has been dominated by markets adjusting to much higher level of inflation. And therefore, a precipitous fall in asset prices um, on the back of central banks' assertiveness and worry about margin erosion and the likes. What we have noticed more recently has been a slight change in trajectory where market participants have become increasingly more concerned about growth than inflation. Uh, if, you know, if you look at many uh, inflation proxy, be those inflation hedging bonds, be those real assets like gold or uh, real estate investment trusts, uh, all these assets have actually underperformed other assets, let's say, between May and June. So what this is telling me is that right or wrong, the market have decided that the worst of inflation is now behind us and the growth trajectory is the one that dominates investors' mind. Of course, we may be in a situation in a month from now or two months from now where actually the markets have been proven wrong, that inflation actually is you know, printed higher than expected. But right now, the shift, in my opinion, is quite strong, and it's suggestive of the fact that the markets are now more focused on the rapid decay in growth assumption and the implication that that you know, growth decay will have on, on financial conditions moving forward. So, Ugo, with, with regard to the central bank response, I mean, we've seen emerging market central banks get ahead of inflation, whereas some have put forward the theory that uh, developed market central banks have been a bit behind the curve. Given that you're saying the worst of inflation is behind us, do you anticipate the you know, likely rate hikes going forward to be more muted? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I think at least from a perspective of rhetoric, uh, central banks will continue to sound very hawkish. It's in their interest that market perception remains one where they are, you know, determined to be in control of uh, the price spirals that we are all uh, living. And therefore, it's very premature to make any assumption about uh, them turning. Uh, I think that day is far in the future, and I don't think it will happen at least before next year. However, that, that being said, uh, there are a few things that uh, are worth keeping in mind. Number one, that uh, markets have moved a long way ahead of them already. So the pricing of the reaction function is 
fairly high already. So that's from purely from an expectation of what's already been discounted in markets. And the second is uh, emerging markets, central banks, for once, have actually moved ahead of uh, developed banks. You're right in, in stating that. I would argue that developed market central banks, Federal Reserve in particular, were slower in acknowledging the scale of the problem, but they've definitely realized it this year and their communication has adjusted accordingly. The two banks that stand out in that sense are the Bank of Japan, which is the last standing central banks against this inflationary wave that is you know, present in markets, and their resolve and determination to continue to have expansive policies is very noticeable uh, right now. And the other banks that is slightly behind the curve is arguably the European Central Bank. But for this latter, I think it's only a matter of time. The language has shifted. I think it will continue to shift as long as the bank manages to find an equilibrium whereby they can control the peripheral uh, cost of debt. So in a, in a way, avoiding Italy, Spain, Greece to have actually trouble to refine, refinance themselves. I think uh, the, the bank will be able to normalize rates more rapidly and therefore catching up with the other banks. But in short, short answer, uh, it's very premature to talk about a, an inflation peak, at least for what central banks are concerned. So, Ugo, I'm interested in getting your views as to whether we're heading into a recession or not. I mean, you, you paint a fairly, um, dare I say, grim picture somewhat, at least in the short to medium term. Um, do you think we're heading for a recession here? Are, are we at a point where we can comfortably say that that is the case? Unfortunately, yes. I wish I could tell you something more optimistic, but I think the recession uh, is base case. Now, I would say that to some degree, uh, that's a second order problem for a few reasons. Number one, what is evident is that growth has uh, slowed. If you look at the most advanced model, the now casting model are now pointing to uh, a very uh, meager second quarter growth in the United States. The first quarter was also pretty, pretty poor. So it could well be that uh, statistician will signal that the economy has tipped into recession even before the end of this year. If that doesn't happen, I think the, the case is pretty high that we will have a technical recession next year. But the important thing is that, to my earlier point, the question as per whether we are heading into recession or not doesn't really matter that much. Because what matters are two other things. Number one, how quickly asset prices react to that scenario. And number two, what time of type of recession is upon us? So on number one, if you look at the pricing of many securities, particularly in credit, it's arguable that markets participants have already adjusted to a world of very poor growth. Um, that's, I would say, is the case for many credit uh, assets, perhaps not as much the case for um, for equities, but clearly the trajectory has been in that direction. And secondly, if central banks are successful in engineering a soft landing, which means a technical recession, but of shallow proportion, then in theory, come second half of next year, the wars may be over. So the debate about whether we will head into recession or not, I think is a touch oversimplistic. 
And what I think we should be asking ourselves is what would be the entity and the gravity of that recession and how quickly will asset prices adjust to that world? Right. So, Ugo, with that backdrop, as, as a portfolio manager, what are your views from an asset class perspective? Where, where are you seeing, I suppose, opportunities um, in terms of allocating investor money? So we, we continue to be conservative at the moment because uh, conservative in, in terms of um, how much appetite we have to endorse cyclical risk. We have reduced the amount of equities in our portfolio. And this is largely on the ground that so far we have had an adjustment in prices, a little less adjustment in earnings. And I think the sequencing in equities will be one where from the second quarter to the third quarter in particular, earnings should be downgraded even more than what uh, analysts are already expecting. So in our opinion, the pain threshold for equities is still lower to where we are now. And therefore, in our portfolio, we have much lower equities than what we used to be to have, for example, at the beginning of the year. We we see some value in um, certain specific part of credit. In particular, if you observe European investment grades uh, spreads, they are already trading at fairly attractive valuation if we exclude a very meaningful recession, if we only consider a shallow recession, to my earlier point. Um, but in our portfolio, we haven't yet tiptoed into that market. And we are very modestly uh, increasing our exposure to um, government bonds in some in some areas uh, with the preference of United States versus Europe, which we think is likely behind in the normalization uh, part of the cycle. And the area which uh, recently we've increased uh, in, in our portfolio has been a small allocation to uh, Chinese equities. So in the context of our portfolio being defensive and in the context of our portfolio having much lower equities than our benchmark, for example, we have bought back some uh, exposure to China. And that exposure to China is largely predicated on the valuation case being interesting. China has been underperforming other markets for a considerable period of time. Um, there are some signs that the, the emergency around COVID is uh, is behind us, clearly not resolved, but at least uh, we might have seen the peak of that story. And then the second is that uh, what could come next is some sort of fiscal expansion of some shape or form, which is something that China is in a privileged position to be able to do, unlike most of the other governments in the world. Uh, this is because China uh, doesn't uh, confront the same inflation problems as many other economies, and therefore the fiscal room is much, much larger than the rest of the world. And Ugo, your views on commodities and other alternative asset classes? So commodities is an asset class that we have favored all this year. Um, we have favored it because cyclically uh, commodities tend to do particularly well at this point in the cycle. Commodities tend to do really badly once we are enter once we have entered a recession, but they tend to lead uh, other asset classes in the in the journey towards recession. So typically in this phase of the cycle, commodities tend to produce good performances. And also there is a meaningful supply shortages that affects pretty much uh, all groups in a, in a diversified index from, from energy to industrial metals. 
that is, you know, clearly constraining supply in the face of what so far has been pretty decent demand. All that being said, um, we have some exposure left in our portfolios, but we have reduced it uh, during the course of June. And the reason why we have tactically reduced it uh, pretty much hinges on uh, some worry around economic um, momentum falling faster than what we would have expected only a couple of months ago. So if our if our view is right and the recession ahead of you know ahead of us is is going to be shallow at least for this year, then once again commodities are definitely good asset class to have in portfolios. However, if we are wrong and actually what is upon us for let's say Q3 and Q4 this year actually is more sinister than our assumption, then clearly the demand erosion can be impacting commodities and therefore we prefer to own less of the asset class relative to a couple of months ago. Points to the importance of a flexible asset allocation approach with managing multi-asset funds. Ugo, I think that's where we're going to have to leave it for now. Thanks very much for your time. Very insightful as always. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for dialing in. Please be sure to join us on next month's Global Market Perspectives podcast. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998. Registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment. This podcast does not constitute an offer to anyone or a solicitation by anyone to subscribe for shares of Schroeder International Selection Fund. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice and is therefore not a recommendation to buy or sell shares. An investment in the company entails risks, which are fully described in the prospectus. Subscriptions for shares of the company can only be made on the basis of its latest key investor information document and prospectus, together with the latest audited annual report, copies of which can be obtained free of charge from Schroeder's Investment Management, South Africa. Disclosures and risk factors. Collective investment schemes are generally medium to long-term investments. The value of participatory interest or the investments may go down as well as up. Past performance is not necessarily a guide to future performance. Collective investment schemes are traded at ruling prices and can engage in borrowing and script lending. A schedule of fees and charges and maximum commissions is available on request from the manager. The manager does not provide any guarantee either with respect to the capital or the return of a portfolio. The manager has a right to close the portfolio to new investors in order to manage it more efficiently in accordance with its mandate.